The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. In a world where superheroes... Hey guys, hey, hey you listening to this podcast, you see what I'm doing? I'm talking to you directly, that's called breaking the fourth wall. It's something that cool non-traditional heroes do. Okay, anyway, back to the narrator. Man, what a tool, right? This is totally super. <laughs> now, do you write these out ahead of time? Like, do you know what you're going to hmm? do ahead of time? Or do, do you, like, does it pop in your head, like, the second before we start? Oh, that would be giving away my trade secrets, wouldn't it? Oh, man. Yeah, this is Deadpool, guys. Um, uh, yeah. Totally super, where we review every superhero movie we ever made. My name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And um, this is, uh, you know, it's easy to say this is the first R-rated superhero movie. That's not true. That's just not, you know, they say that it changed the game and maybe it did, but it's not, you know, Blade was R and and The Crow was R and Dread mm-hmm. was R. There, there's been, a, there's been quite a few R-rated uh, um, superhero movies, but I think this is maybe the first, like... This might be the like first dressed R-rated up in spandex span- with a mask. Yeah, from a- spandex superhero film. Yeah. Um, uh, what was your experience with Deadpool uh, prior to seeing the movie? Did like this? This was before you started reading comics, right? Uh, this is yes. I didn't. I didn't get into the Deadpool comics until after I saw the movie. My my general uh, my general pattern is I'll see the movie and if I enjoy it a lot, that's when I go and I just like try to read up on as much of the back catalog as I can. Um, so, yeah, I hadn't, I mean, you know, Deadpool's kind of known as the Merc with the Mouth, even if you're, even if you don't read Deadpool specifically, there's enough talk about him as... And t-shirts. Uh, certainly, yeah, he's certainly one of Marvel's most popular uh, IPs right now, and has been for years and years. I um, was particularly interested, I was particularly interested in the, sort of the story of how this film got made. Um, the fact that it was such a labor of love from Ryan, from Ryan Reynolds. Um, and right off the bat, I'll say, uh, I didn't think Ryan Reynolds could find a more perfect role for him since Van Wilder, and then then he did with this one. And Lord knows he tried, right? I mean, Lord knows mm-hmm. that he gave it his all to become a Hollywood leading man. He really like nope, nobody seems to have wanted it more. <laughs> um, Deadpool, <laughs> D- Deadpool was his uh, was his first uh, foray into. Um, into the superhero genre, but not this Deadpool. Um, in fact, Ryan Reynolds uh, starred in uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine as Wade Wilson slash Deadpool back in, uh, back in 2009, which was before he did Green Lantern in 2010. We have to talk about both those films uh, really briefly. Start with Green Lantern. Um, we're going to review this film. At some point, Green mm-hmm. Lantern was supposed to be part of a launch of a DC universe that was going to include Christian Bale's Batman, Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern, and um, and was going to be Man of Steel was going to kind of connect to that universe. Um, but then the Christian Bale Batman thing uh, wrapped up. Uh, Green Lantern bombed, um, and uh, and then we ended up with the Justice League universe we have. Um, but in X Men Origins Wolverine, he shows up. He's got the attitude. He's still very Ryan Reynolds. But then when he gets his full on powers at the end of the movie, they sew his mouth shut so he can't talk. Um, I'm genuinely I, like I'm genuinely curious as to 
why somebody would make that decision. Like, it's not like it was a cool new take on the character or anything like that. It was, I mean, you almost get the sense that they did it just to troll fans. I mean, maybe it's that they didn't know how to how to make it come about like maybe they just like like how do you do Deadpool and he didn't have to be R-rated by the way it's worth noting you know he doesn't like they're comic books that are not there are not R-rated they he when he curses in the comic books it bleeps um so mm-hmm. it's not it, not necessarily that it's not nearly as violent and profane as this movie is this movie ramps it up to the next level um mm-hmm. but it's it's you know, there's so many choices in X-Men Origins Wolverine that I don't understand. <laughs> um, it's a yeah, movie chock full. It was one of a long list of poor choices. But the worst choice of all the bad choices in that film was to take Deadpool and take away the thing that makes him him. To sew Deadpool's yeah. mouth shut to make him a monster at the end of the film to fight Wolverine is I. It's something that I don't understand. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they reference it in this film there. You will see a shot of an action figure of that Deadpool in this film. <laughs> um, uh, um, soon after, um, and I remember the, uh, I remember the trailer for Green Lantern, um, inexplicably, they decided to make the Green Lantern, uh, suit CGI, which is the first of, again, terrible ideas you see it and it Mm -hmm. doesn't look right he looks like a cartoon character within it um i have not seen the green lantern movie have you uh not in its entirety no i think that will be an interesting one for us to watch um but it is generally there's there's a a uh it was not by kevin smith called hollywood babylon and they do the green lantern oath on it from time to time um, and they part of the theme song to doing the Green Lantern Oath uh, says uh, says um, the oath will make the crowd go mental if it's not effed up by Ryan Reynolds. Like he had like there was anger toward him and for and what that's he a, and did. That's such a shame, too, because well, because Ryan Reynolds, the I mean, the only story that I heard about the only uh, the only press I heard about Green Lantern before it came out was a story of he was at one uh, convention. And this kid uh, who was dressed in like Green Lantern stuff and everything and had the ring uh, during questions and answers at one panel asked Ryan Reynolds, uh, how do you feel about getting a chance to play Green Lantern? And Ryan Reynolds looked at the kid and uh, and just started going into the oath, like with dead set seriousness. And when they got to the end of, you know, beware my power, Green Lantern's light. And like Ryan Reynolds thrust his fist forward with the ring and the kid thrust his fist forward with the ring. And it was like this awesome, like really cool fan moment. Uh, so you know that he had heart going into it. You Like no one wanted this film to be, no one wanted Green Lantern to be better than Ryan Reynolds did. He's a true fan. Uh, so it's a well, real shame that so much got directed against him. And, you know, I kind of lied when I said that uh, because I'm just while you were talking, I jumped onto his filmography and uh, he was in Blade Trinity. We forget as Hannibal King. Oh, that's true. Um, Also, as a as a wisecracking fighter. And this is only I mean, that's only two years after Van Wilder. He's already trying Mm -hmm. that. Um, You know, did Smoke and Aces uh, and then Adventureland, but then into X-Men Origins. He's in there. Green Lantern soon after that. Ripped R.A.P.D. is after that, which is also a notoriously terrible film. Um, Mm -hmm. He's trying really hard to become this uh, to to become 
a, a, a wisecracking Hollywood action star, um, mm-hmm. which is not like it just wasn't happening until finally Deadpool came out. Um, my understanding and uh, of the way that this film finally came about was that after Green Lantern, Deadpool was dead. It wasn't happening. It's a one-two punch mm-hmm. of X-Men Origins, Wolverine, um, and then Deadpool uh, being dead. It just didn't work. But the internet wouldn't let it go. They wouldn't let it go, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let it go, and they wouldn't let it go. Um, and uh, and when it was dead, there was a uh, the, there was a, a an online short with Ryan Reynolds that is um that that is the uh the freeway scene um on mm-hmm. in this in this movie that was quote unquote leaked and i'm trying to remember if it if it was actually I done heard this rumor by tim miller but i remember seeing it and it's almost exactly the same it's slightly uh the difference uh here we go um uh i'm going to jump up this is from uh wikipedia here uh tim miller uh, created the footage with CGI. It is anim- an animation company Blur Studio in 2012 with Reynolds voicing Deadpool. The footage did not convince Fox to greenlight the film. After the successful release of The Avengers, recent Wernick thought Deadpool may have been approved as an already developed superhero film, but Fox was even more doubtful of the script and began to exploring ways to potentially include Deadpool in an Avengers team-up film, um, mm-hmm. which was going to involve James Cameron and David Fincher at different points. But the test footage was quote unquote leaked online in July 2014 and met with an overwhelmingly enthusiastic response. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks like uh, it looks like the leak might have happened from someone at Fox. Some people have said that Miller did it. Some people have said that Reynolds did it. Um, but uh, ultimately, they uh, ultimately the leak is what convinced this film to be made. This film, which was made for fifty eight million dollars, now. Which it's, is not much. Yeah, so it's worth noting when you talk about how much uh, how much a movie costs. Um, if you look at, for instance, the Avengers movie, let's look at Green Lantern. The Green Lantern budget was two hundred million dollars. So this is a fourth of the Green Lantern budget. Um, so it's worth noting mm-hmm. that this film is this film is made for the same as some like romantic comedies out there. This is mm-hmm. this is. Not much was spent on it, but it was the it was right. It hit Tim Miller right in in his sweet spot. And you know, it, if you've seen, if you know, um, uh, if you know Kickass, uh, that's Tim Miller right there. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, if you loved like what happens with with uh, Hit Girl, that is that's Tim Miller. Tim Miller right there. So it's it's worth noting. And I'm just looking here. I'm making sure I'm right that I'm not. Uh, talking out of my butt. Um, I'm wrong. You know what? I am wrong uh, in that he did not do Kick-Ass. I don't know why I thought he did Kick-Ass. Um, huh. but well, I mean, not. it's certainly I, a very similar genre. It is a similar genre, but I don't know why. I I, I guess Matthew Vaughn did, uh, did Kick-Ass, maybe. I'm sure. Um, that, that I just an idiot. I could edit that out later because I do the editing, but why do that? Because it's more fun to hear you guys yell at me. Well, no, it's, um, it's important so, that people know that we too are imperfect. Yes, uh, which they didn't know. Um, the other thing mm-hmm. that I wanted to yeah. mention in terms of the pre-production <laughs> of this film, which is really interesting, is the character of Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Uh, Negatonic, Negasonic Teenage Warhead um, is a Deadpool character 
Um, but it's a character that was uh, still owned by uh, Marvel proper, the Marvel that is doing the Avengers and stuff like that. At the same time, uh, Ego the Living Planet was owned by Fox. Um, did and, they actually uh, do a trade? They did a trade for the characters. Wow. So that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 could have Ego and Deadpool could have Negasonic Teenage Warhead, which is a totally different character here than her character was in the comics. But the character... I mean, I have to be honest, I read a bunch of... I read a bunch of Deadpool after this film, and I never saw Negasonic Teenage Warhead pop up. Yeah, no, they just wanted they they just wanted uh, to have a character with that name in the film. Mm-hmm. That well, was just the, you know, the name does thing. the name does all the work. Yeah, so, although she um, was a great character, though she is a great. Everyone's a great character. It's so interesting. Um, uh, I think there's no way to really do this film without uh, without just jumping in. So if it's okay, uh, I would like to do my 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 plot, give me your plot. Is, uh, yeah. All right. So this is this is not too not too tough. Uh, a former special forces and uh, former special forces warrior guru Wade Wilson has gone quote unquote soft. Um, he has decided to start working for a group of mercenaries that he takes care of just taking care of bad guys and if they're not so bad he spares them he takes out stalkers just by threatening them but he's not a nice guy um at the bar where all of these all these people meet up he starts bar fights and he meets his lovely vanessa um who is a woman uh played by um marina bracken of firefly fame um and the two of them form a uh, a tawdry but very very loving romance um, he discovers, unfortunately, that he has cancer throughout his body and not knowing what to do about it. He is um, he is met by a gentleman uh, who he calls Agent Smith, who I love, um, who says that they can give him mutant powers by activating his mutant gene. When he goes to uh, the place where this is going to happen, they decide or rather he he uh, is locked up and they tell him that he is not uh, actually going to be part of this. He's going to be a super slave to a man named Ajax, real name Francis. And at this, they have to activate his mutant gene by putting him through incredible amounts of stress, which is torture, near-death torture. He escapes after his powers uh, develop, which means that he can uh, he can heal any wound that could ever happen to him. But in his escape, he blows up the lab, burns everyone there, comes out of the ashes, and decides to gain his revenge on Francis, afraid to reveal his face, now marred by the fire and by the introduction of his powers, to Vanessa. So he embarks on his origin story, where he develops his uh, costume. Quick jump in, let me... Yes. Let me let me just do a thing. It actually it was not the the fire had nothing to do with his face or his skin. It was no like the fire had before. nothing to do. No, you're right. It's it's the development of his powers. Everything that happened after the development of powers he can heal from, but he cannot heal from his the destruction of his face. You're correct. Um, you see, it's uh, it's important from a thematic perspective of you know how somebody's greatest strength can be their greatest weakness. Yes, that's what I this film that totally is about. Seriously, it's, it's an inspiring, yeah, it's an inspiring thematic film. Um, Very. And deep. you just broke my fourth wall, sir. How dare you? Um, <laughs> how dare you, sir? No breaking of fourth walls in this. Uh, he develops his costume. He develops his abilities. He develops his weapons. And eventually he goes on an all-out assault on Francis. Um, but uh, he is uh, opposed in his final victory by Colossus of X-Men fame and Negasonic Teenage Warhead, who believe it's too it's gone too far and Deadpool needs to be using his mutant powers for good. Deadpool escapes by cutting off his own arm. Francis escapes and Francis finds Vanessa and kidnaps her right before Deadpool's about to reveal himself to her. She is 
I, it's interesting that Green Lantern's girlfriend is literally stuck in a fridge. Just saying. Um, she is, uh, she, she is, she is taken. Oh my God. She's taken prisoner on an aircraft carrier where Negasonic Teenage Warhead, Colossus and Deadpool lead an all out assault. Eventually Deadpool fights Francis, kills Francis, uh, saves Vanessa and credits roll, but not before you have, uh, you not before you have a Ferris Bueller. Of course, got to be Ferris Bueller because Deadpool's breaking the fourth wall and fifth wall and flashbacking all throughout the, the uh, and eighties reference. Um, and he dresses up. Uh, it's the end scene from Ferris Bueller's, which is, by the way, the first time I ever remember seeing an end credit sequence was Ferris Bueller. Um, but he, he does the, right. end, the end credit sequence uh, from Ferris Bueller and says in the next movie, Cable's going to show up. And that's uh, the plot of Deadpool. Uh, did I miss anything? Very nice, sir. That you, that you should know. No, I think that kind of that captures the real thrust of it. Um, um, so you know, there's have... the there's the crucial important subplot with Dopinder and his fiance and uh, and his cousin Bindu. But other than that, you know, there is that. Got... I mean, there's a lot in there. There's 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 that. There's there's the relationship with Vanessa is really an interesting one. Um, uh, it's worth noting that right away, uh, this and this podcast, let's just say, we're not going to get through this podcast without talking about rated R stuff. So kids, time to turn it off. Um, and why are you yeah, listening to a yeah. Deadpool podcast? I mean, seriously. One of the things I loved so much about this film when it came out was the, the massive tonnage of people, no matter how much marketing they did, saying, no, no, seriously, this is rated R. Do not take your kids. We... We are not playing around with this. Like the number of outraged parents that I would see posting online or something about like, what the hell is this? I took my kid and now they're salty language. And uh, yeah, I mean, this film, I guess the difference between this and other rated R superhero films is this pool, this pool, this film loves that it's rated R. It enjoys mm-hmm. its R rating. You could yeah. almost hear Deadpool going, I'm doing this because it's rated R. I love because that I get to I be an artist. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is the South Park of superhero films. Um, mm-hmm. The the level of violence immediately from the first. I mean, the opening credits uh, have the word douchebag in them. They've got they've got a, a, a lighter going in someone's head. They've got. I mean, it's it's like they've got you know Deadpool's crotch on someone's face. They are just they're they are not holding back, and they want you to know from no. moment one. That that's going to be the case. There is now. Here's the interesting me- thing, though. The, the commentary about uh, you know American media and sensibilities is, I don't feel like it's the violence that made it rated R. If they, it's it's because he drops the f bomb all the time, quite creatively. The uh, you know the, usually no, I would say the thing, that's like, the case. I, I'm I'm looking at the violence in it, and I'm just like, you know what? You could easily make a pitch for this if he was if he was squeaky clean every other way. Then yeah, that w- you could make that PG thirteen. Not a chance. Um, I I love you, sir, but I'm going to respectfully disagree. The, you have you have guys with their heads cut off. You have people splattered. You have like so the so this is this is the difference between rated R and a rated PG thirteen film when it comes specifically to gun violence, blood. If there are splats of blood in the gun violence. Mm. Then the PG thirteen is so you can have all the crunch you want, you can have all the goop you want, but when you have, for instance, he shoots three guys through the head and the blood explodes out of their head onto the onto the screen, mm-hmm. well, you can't have point. that. Um, they have they have people who are you, you just see goops of blood that that people are just kind of turned into. Um, 
the amount of well, I'll of, be honest. I would I would love nothing more than for you to actually be correct that they made it rated R primarily because of the violence, because that would actually restore some of my faith in American sensibility. So um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll think I'll that, give that I, one to I mean, you. I think that that it is. I would say that you could there are you could make this a PG thirteen film by cutting let's say seventy five seconds worth of shots. So yeah. you can imply anything you want, right? The, the oh, okay. difference, so, right, the difference it, between, so it's so it's okay. Rated, for the difference a between rated so, so. PG thirteen and rated R is uh, in the Dark Knight. You can show a pencil and you can show a head, and then you can show the head slammed on, on onto the table, and you get the sense that pencil's gone to the head. And maybe it was there for like two frames. But mm-hmm. if you slowly jam that pencil into someone's head, that makes it rated mm-hmm. R. So, oh, it's the, makes it's so it doesn't the, matter what kind of horrible things the characters do in the film. It's whether or not we see them. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. There, that's you go, James Bond, there you go, kids. That's why if you watch PG-13 James Bond movies in the gunfire, nobody ever bleeds. Mm-hmm. No one ever, yeah. They'll bleed afterward. You'll find them on the ground bloody. But you can't, you'll never see blood like explode from people when you like the, if you watch Die Hard next to, next to a James Bond film, you'll notice, oh, in Die Hard, when people get shot, blood explodes from squibs everywhere. So Um, the lesson here is it's okay to do horrible things to people. Just make sure nobody sees it. Well, I had that conversation about the, uh, you know, as, as everyone listening might know, I directed a series of movies called Ninjas Versus. Um, and a friend of mine uh, who who had issues with the fact that I did a Ninjas Versus, you know, zombies horror film and, and that, you know, called me out and said, how can you how, how can you make something so horrible and, and violent? And I said, you know, your favorite series of films are the Bond movies, and I'm a huge fan of the, them too, but I would say I like oh. Nightmare on Elm Street more than the Bond movies. The difference is, is when violence happens in your films, it's just fun, and there's no consequence. That's true. When that violence happens in a horror movie, it's consequential, and you see how really awful it is. So which is... Yeah, worse? that's really that's really not much of a moral... If, you're, if your favorite series is Bond, you're, uh, that's really not much of a moral high ground to stand on there, is it? Yeah, it's, but because in that movie, death doesn't seem like death. It just seems like something you do. Um, mm-hmm. So so it is worth noting, it's not just that, but there there's a good amount, of, like like Marina Barakin goes, goes full frontal in this film. Uh, Ryan Reynolds goes full frontal in this film. When he's fighting, he's naked. Um, there's butts and boobs and, and there's butts and see, boobs. I didn't see, I was and, like, and I didn't, vaginas I didn't see and boobs. Penises and it's, I, did, it's, I, I it's, just watched this. I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't see any of the. I didn't any see any of the actual bits shown. Oh, for sure. No, there's 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 one shot uh, where they're having sex on the bed where you see her. There's a stripper scene where you just have naked strippers walking around, and then when he's yeah, maybe, fighting, yes, you're at the, the naked stripper scene, yeah. And when he's fighting in the fire, um, you see his his little Deadpool that's flopping around. It's everywhere. <laughs> Told you guys okay. it was going to be rated our podcast. What did you? How can we talk about this film? This film has pegging in it. This film mm-hmm. has her with a strap on delivering has argued, anal pleasure to Deadpool. It's, that, it's yeah. That I think this film is responsible. Whenever International Women's Day rolled around that year or the next year, I think this film is responsible for more, for probably more pegging being done in one day than has ever happened before. That would be my guess. <laughs> Uh, well, and that's that's this film like reveling in its tawdriness, um, which mm-hmm. makes it. I don't know how it pulls it off. Um, only South Park has ever done this well with this. Um, like when like when Hit Girl does it in Kick Ass, 
Um, mm-hmm. It's shock. It's so fun to watch a 10-year-old girl, you know, or a 13-year-old girl just be that vile. Um, but mm-hmm. this is not even shock. It's just reveling in. It's just having so much fun. It's just like what it is is there's it's it you see the joy behind it and you see the artistry in it. There is there is phenomenal creativity towards the in the filth in this. And that in a way somehow makes it like it legitimately makes it somehow more wholesome. Um Yeah, I I, would I remember say that the, this... I remember the fir- the first time I went to Las Vegas and you know, Alvarine talks about all oh, Las Vegas, the city of sin. Uh and you know, and the first time that, you know, I walk down the strip and you hear and you, there's people on the corner, they're holding, you know, handing out business cards that just have strippers on them. Uh, that, you know, the first taste of it, I was like, oh, man, yeah, total vice city. This is this is kind of weird. But what really did it for me was when I walked into the grocery store and I looked to my left and there was the hard liquor aisle right there in the grocery store. I looked to the right there was the row of slot machines with all these little old ladies sitting there smoking at the slot machines in the grocery store. Uh, and then just to the right of them was the, you know, those little newspaper kiosks that have like the free real estate and car buying guides. Next to those two was the stripper renting guide. And it was just so much, it was so excess that it pushed it out the other end of sinful right into the realm of so absurd that you just kind of had to revel in it. It was all you could do was laugh and be like, oh, wow. And I feel like this film is very much like this. There's, uh, yeah, I would actually stand behind. This film is, this film is arguably a lot less, uh, quote unquote, bad or corrupting than a lot of other films out there. Yeah, I would say, in fact, because the, of that this film has a sweetness to it. It has a, it has a heart to it. It has an innocence. A very tender to heart to it. Where where good is good and bad is bad and good wants to do, you know, like it would be very easy for them to show Ryan Reynolds going up to the stalker with a pizza and, you know, just like blowing his hand off or something like that. And instead he's like, he's mm-hmm. like, no, you know, this, this kid, he's, you know, you know, he needs to stop and he needs to be afraid of what he's doing. But, you know, he's also just a kid. He's a dumb kid who doesn't know any better and, and he's not that bad. So let's 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 mm-hmm. scare him from ever being a stalker again. You know, almost hate the sin, love the sinner. You know, and and yeah. and, and no, it's interesting it to it. It's interesting to draw a distinction between the Deadpool in this film and the Deadpool in the comics, uh, because the Deadpool in the comics is not as sweet. The Deadpool in the comics has moments of actual true sadism, uh, like Blind Al, who is his roommate in the movie. Uh, in the comics, she is his absolute prisoner. He keeps her prisoner for years and years and years purely because he can playing all kinds of sadistic games where he'll he'll leave and leave the door open for her. And the first few times she thinks she can get away, so she'll make it like literally hundreds of miles away and then he'll just show up and grab her and pull her back there. Like he has a room, he has a room with bear traps in it and sharp objects everywhere that he'll just put Blind Al in and say, okay, find your way out. Like it's all done in a very sort of comic absurdist fashion, but there's some serious sadism going on with it too. Um, you know, it's still charming sadism because it's Deadpool, but, uh, yeah, I, I think they made the right decision in not necessarily doing that with the film. I, I really, the Deadpool in this film is very likable. Well, I think it's also worth noting that, that 
the and you're going to have this with any character that you have who's been in comics is that there are a number of different Deadpools throughout the comics because Deadpool's been around for 20-something years now. Oh, that's true, um, with a whole bunch of know, different writers. It still feels like a new comic to me, because like like he's one of those new characters because I'm old. Um but there are, you know, there are adults right now who Deadpool's been around their entire lives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, De- Deadpool has been Deadpool has been around longer now than Spider-Man had been al- been around when I was a kid. Um, uh, Deadpool first first appeared in New Mutants ninety eight, a comic which I discovered that I have. Um, I That's was right. A you huge, were talking about that. I was a huge New Mutants fan. Um, they were my favorite X Men comics. New Mutants. They're doing a New Mutants uh, movie that will eventually cover if it ever comes out. Um, it's evidently been really, really problematic, and they pushed it back a year. Um, uh, but uh, he appeared uh, right around the same time as Cable in the New Mutants, as the New Mutants made a transition uh, to being canceled at New Mutants 100, and then the characters in New Mutants 100 became X-Force and X-Force number one. Um, and mm-hmm. Deadpool showed up as a kind of foil to Cable. Uh, in the New Mutants Cable, who we're going to talk about next week, uh, who is the son of a future, who is the son of of a clone of Jean Grey and Cyclops um, in the comics. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. It's crazy. Movies. I'm How excited. I actually know very little about Cable. He's a he's a hard one to to read up on because he just he, he crosses so many different uh, different books. Yeah, I mean it's it's I, we and I'm sure we'll talk about cable more next week because there'll be lots to talk about. Um but mm-hmm. uh but you Deadpool has gone from being one of those super cool 90s characters to the to the fourth wall breaking. Deadpool just rebooted in the comics. They rebooted his whole history, but in the comics he rebooted oh, wow. it himself. So there's a, a <laughs> it, like perfect. in a meta way. Um mm-hmm. it's really Strange. Deadpool is a, is a strange character. He know in the comics he knows he's he's in a comic. He knows he looks like Spider Man. Yeah. He has adventures with Spider Man. Where it's oh, the, oh the, the buddy that, the buddy cop relationship between him and Spider Man is fantastic. Yeah. Um. Uh. So Spider Man is also dead. a wisecracker. Yeah. Um. What did you uh, think well, of? Uh, let me. Uh, of, uh, let me. Well, if you don't ahead. mind, let me go ahead and jump in. Uh, one of the things that jumped out at me with this uh, that I really loved uh, that actually I feel like can be tipped taken as a lesson for other films too so Deadpool says it's a love story so I wanted to talk a little bit about the romance uh, and specifically the meet cute between him and Vanessa um, a meet cute is a term uh, it's been around for a while that basically describes in a romance uh, usually romantic comedy the moment when the two uh, characters meet and this film in two minutes worth of time showed us that oh no, these two are great for each other uh, by essentially them riffing off the the whole game of, oh, whose life was worse. And I think the reason why it was so effective is because it showed it showed chemistry, tremendous chemistry. And unbelievable the reason chemistry why it showed, between these two. Unbelievable. And the reason why it showed chemistry is because what you see is two characters immediately playing together. They said, you know, it's one thing to talk about, oh, we share the same value system, we like the same movies, uh, but I find in film, the characters with the most chemistry are the ones where one can throw out another idea, and then the other person takes that idea and runs with it, and there's a sense of playfulness. Um, a Million Ways to Die in the West, which was a film with a lot of flaws in it, the chemistry between Seth MacFarlane and Charlize Theron was A film tremendous. in which Ryan Reynolds appears, by the way. 
oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but because it was, you know, one of them would say something and the next person would just riff on it immediately. Uh, it really just showed it like playfulness, uh, being willing and able to play the same games together is a tremendous uh, strength for creating chemistry between characters. Well, and I think it's I think it's worth noting. And again, you know, warning to you guys, this is this is an R rated podcast this week. So 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 bail out. All right, so you've been warned. It's not just this week because it's Deadpool. Maybe next week too. But um, you know, Kevin, you're going to talk about the fuck scenes, aren't you? Yeah. Well, it's. I think they're important. These characters like fucking. They really, really like having sex with each other. They really like. Really good at it. Um, and there's and there's an interesting thing. Kevin Smith, um, uh, uh, who is a filmmaker and podcaster, who I really respect, and not everybody loves him, but I do. Um, he talked once about his wife and he said, you know, the interesting thing is this is the, a, a committed husband wife relationship or a, a committed, you know, romantic relationship is simply, you have agreed that you're going to fuck each other, um, primarily. And in most cases only, and that is mm-hmm. the relationship. And he said, there are lots of people that I love. I love Jason Mewes. I love my parents. I love lots of my friends There are women who I love. There are people who I have very strong feelings for, but there's only one person who I fuck and I love it. And I Mm -hmm. love doing that. And she is, I I revel in that. And, and I feel blessed to be able to do that. It's such a, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting point of view. I think, you know, I think it's, it's a point of view that's stated for, for fun and shock value as much as anything else, but it's an interesting point of view to go, these guys, they like sex is not just something that they do. They love doing it. When they do it, they have a great time and it is a huge part of their relationship and it's healthy. What they do yeah. is is is, My, is not just like not not just like you know, not unhealthy, but is deliberately healthy. Um mm-hmm. they have a healthy, yeah, robust I uh, sex life. And I've yeah, you know, two it's, thoughts a, it's on an that. interesting My, thing to see. I I have I have not seen a robust, healthy sex life presented in a positive way in a film in a really long time. Yeah, that's a good point. The, uh, the, my first thought, the, I, I totally take Kevin Smith's point with that. I think it's, um, I think it's obviously a bit reductive to say that a rela- you know, that a committed relationship is primarily about the sex. Um, but the whole thing of that being a crucial element to it, that definitely can play into it. Um, and again, what I was talking about with the, that sense of playfulness, I mean, my God, if you have two people who can be playful with each other in bed, which is frequently at times that is, you know, which is for most of us, when you're at your most vulnerable, um, both not just physically, but emotionally, if you have a sense of joyous play in that moment, yeah, the relationship is probably going to work just great. Yeah, there's a there's there's an intimacy that is there that I think is 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 so positive um and it's mm-hmm. weird because it's it's so exploitative the way they show it um yeah but it's still you know again this is a film that it's absolutely an exploitation film that has this sweetness to it. i don't know how they i don't know how they pulled this off this is nearly impossible well, I think what it essentially film. does is it's I, I also love how we're immediately going into a much deeper conversation about deadpool than either of us thought we were going to go into um i think to a certain degree what the movie is doing is which is uh, an extension of the whole anti-hero theme is it is showing stuff that 
is, you know, by surface standards, you know, wrong and inappropriate and just and and not good. And from it, though, it is showing these very good things. You're absolutely right. It is, not that you mentioned, it is one of the most healthy sexual relationships I've seen in film in a long time. And so by showing these things without actually coming out and asking the question directly, by showing all this stuff that on the surface is quite terrible, but then is having some real, you know, healthy, warm stuff underneath, it causes us to question, well, what is it that actually makes something good or terrible? And maybe that, I mean... So many films like this, their whole point is to ask, okay, what, what's good really? And uh, yeah, now the, the thing is there are aspects to the relationship that bugged me. Uh, the main right. one, uh, essentially there was pretty much one major thing to the, re- to the whole thing that bugged me. The whole thing about uh, Wade wanting to run off and just disappear from her life after uh, when he was diagnosed with cancer, that part I can get. Uh, I think anyone who has been in that situation um, or who has had a loved one going through that would agree that it was absolutely the wrong decision to make. But I could see why somebody would feel that way. What to me seemed a little bit more just convenient for the plot was the whole thing of, oh no, I can't show her, I can't reveal myself to her because of my face. Um, Because... Their relationship was so clearly good in all other ways. Um, it it basically means that Wade has this huge, huge blind spot to because everything about everything we've seen from Vanessa and that relationship, uh, anybody watching it would would be willing to say, "Oh, she's you know she's gonna get over that uh, like no problem." There's because there's so much actual real depth to the relationship. Um, it seemed a little, and you and you can write it off as essentially, you know, Wade Wilson is not known for his self confidence. Uh, a lot of a lot of the snark is meant to cover up a lot of insecurity there, um, and certainly the insecurity about his face is a big thing. Um, but I think it uh, it just seemed a it seemed a little heavy handed in that sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think it was plot driven. I think it was you know it it was it was there to move the plot along. But I do think. Here's the thing. Do I think it's healthy? No. Do I think it's right? No. Do I think that it is remarkably outside of the realm of possibilities of behavior by Wade Wilson? No. Actually, I think I can absolutely see Wade Wilson feeling like I was attractive and now I'm not and and misunderstanding uh, that kind of that kind of, you know, of maybe that's commitment. it is that because we never because we never up until that up until he lost his looks. We had no indication that that mattered at all to him. Well, um, I think the other I mean, thing like is Dr. that, you know, I I am constantly with my wife. I always have been with anyone I was ever with. I've been with my wife for over half my life. Um, I constantly sit around wondering why they would be with me. I never, ever, to this day, I don't feel like I deserve to be with with my wife of of over 20 years um i don't understand the attraction for her i don't understand why she sticks around um i'm constantly strutting like a peacock like hey look what i'm doing now Ah." um uh but it's uh i understand the idea of of feeling like you were already kind of the lesser in the relationship and that this is just like it's 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 not her the other thing is that she is so saintly capital g good um uh that 
that I think that that is maybe the other issue you can have that as it's easy to love Vanessa, but she, as interesting as she is, she doesn't have a, a ton of depth. She's not that complicated a character. She is a, you that's know, true. She is, she is like almost Willa Rosenberg, Buffy season three level of good. She is just mm-hmm. good. Um, uh, interestingly, her character in the comics is a character named copycat, uh, who is not good. She's a villain. No, um, not at no, all. Worth looking up. Let's talk about some other characters in the film. Um, uh, really, and this is, I think with this one, we got to do this more than the plot because the plot's relatively perfunctory, right? I mean, if, if yeah. before we jump from character to character, let's just say the action in the film, the level of brutality is insane. It's so good. The, the, the action scenes are fantastically well choreographed. Um, there's actually, yeah. watching it a second time, I realize there's actually less action than I remember. There's really essentially only three major action set pieces. There's the freeway, there's the fight in the fire in the lab, and then there's the uh, then then there's the aircraft carrier fight. Yep, um, and um, that's the really freeway about it. is 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 the best. Um, the freeway is tremendous. The, the, the use of the numbers on the bullets is as cool mm-hmm. as the opening credit sequence. It's just so much fun. Um, yeah, and, uh, the fight in the lab is brutal and interesting, and then the the end is sort of perfunctory. Um, but mm-hmm. it's still interesting how much they're able to pull off for fifty-eight million dollars. It's nuts. Yeah, it's nuts that they're able yeah, to absolutely. do absolutely. Um, well, talking about the characters, then I feel since we're talking, um, you know, let's talk about who he's fighting. Uh, I do feel like the villains in this—they're fine. They weren't bad. Ajax certainly got the job done. Uh, you know, Angel was a was a perfectly fine, uh, you know, second in command there. But I didn't. I mean, there was nothing about the villains that really grabbed me. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that that Ajax is is like it's it's interesting because this this guy will always be um the the guy from Game of Thrones who quit and was replaced by a different, better guy. Um, Ed Screen, they've they've really tried to say that Ed Screen is going to be a big star. Um, he got his own transporter film, I think. Uh, he got uh, he shows up in other stuff. And he's fine, but there's nothing really about him that ever stands out to me. He's he's you know mm-hmm. he does he does Euro trash villain really well, and that's yeah. what he does. And it's um, and to be fair, there's not that much of the character he's given to to deal with. Um, um, uh, the you know, and again, his his sidekick, I don't even remember her name. Um, but she you know she's a super strong lady. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think cool. that that uh, that this is a film, and and maybe rightly so, about the heroes. Maybe the problem you get into with other films is that I look at the. If I have concerns about Deadpool two, it's that look at the cast in this film. You've got Cable, and you've got Domino, and he's forming an X Force, and you've got all the characters from this movie, and you've got you know it seems like a movie with some some bloat who to it. Who's the bad guy in Deadpool two? Do we even know that? I don't that know. Yet? Is it Cable? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the, I don't. I. I mean, I Deadpool. Don't know. Even in the, even in the comics, with the exception of uh, I think one character, T. Ray, uh, who's who's a pretty good villain. Deadpool's really not known for his villains. Um, you know, for the guys that he fights well, against. He was a villain, um, right? I mean, that's yeah. Um, and so I think, I don't know. I, I, I will, I will say that. Um, in terms of the action, um, the it's they do a lot with stylized action. They do a lot with with making you enjoy the action scenes that they have. And you know that's as a, as mm-hmm. I guess I'll ask you as a fight choreographer: Do you 
appreciate the 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 inventiveness, especially of everything on the freeway chase. Um, and they do yeah, fun oh, stuff. Oh, the freeway the chase end, is but... the uh, the freeway chase. That's the best freeway scene. Uh, that's the best freeway chase scene I think I've seen in film. Um, yeah, I remember With the, the freeway possible chase exception in... of the Matrix Reloaded. Well, actually, that was specifically what I was thinking of, and I think to me this actually is better than Matrix Reloaded um, because. Well, really, it's not so much a freeway chase as it is a fight on the freeway. Um, but it's the both of the both scenes, uh, both in Matrix and this, have artistry in the combat. But uh, to me, I love it when combat, you know, really furthers the theme of the you know the theme of the story, and that sort of breaking the fourth wall, joyful reveling even in the violence. Uh, like you say, the the showing the numbers on the. The showing the numbers on the bullets, just the fact that Deadpool is essentially playing a game with the twelve bullets, is all of that goes towards. You could watch that fight scene, that freeway scene, and know exact in the first five minutes, you know exactly what kind of a film it's going to be. That fight scene was the entire film in microcosm, uh, so I absolutely loved it. Um, and that means, and the uh, the actual combat, uh, the combat style of Deadpool in this, uh, which is a combination of, uh, you know, almost parkour-like flips with just hardcore brutality. Uh, I felt really, really suited the character quite well. So um, it got my my fight choreographer's A-plus stamp of approval on it. Very good. Um, so next character we can talk about is T.J. Miller as Weasel. I will say this. I was not aware of T.J. Miller. He's a problematic actor right now. Um, I was just looking at his personal personal thing. I guess we'll talk about him a little bit next week. But it's worth noting that he has uh, he was arrested and jailed in 2016 for assaulting an Uber driver. There's an accusation mm. that he that he choked and punched a woman during sex, um, uh, uh, and that he had uh, that when he was in college that is is controversial there, and that in 2018. Um, he made a uh, he made a threat that there was a bomb on an Amtrak train. Um, so so essentially, somebody that we don't want to see in any film in the future. Um, well, he's going to be in in Deadpool two, and and there's not been a you know an overwhelming amount of like evidence about it. There's it's not like you know mm-hmm. I'm you know there is we we have been on this podcast we've always also been on tr- on track off trying to walk that that balance line between you never want to blame and you want to be very very careful about doubting the accusers uh because most mm-hmm. people don't want to make these accusations unless things have actually happened and at the same time innocent till proven guilty um yeah so it's this that, guy is a, that is a br- tightrope yeah this guy doesn't have the preponderance of evidence that you would say a a um kevin spacey has um, and yet at the same time, you know, here's a guy with some very specific threats and you know, there's a bunch of yellow flags, but well, yeah, in that like, case, yeah, so let's, exactly. let's, like, di- like, let's deal with like, the issue I, by simply let, let's just talk about him in this film. Yeah. Um, I was not aware of, of him at all. And I was, I, he was problematic for me in that I honestly thought that he might have been Ryan Reynolds in makeup. Um, <laughs> because he's a little too Ryan Reynoldsy for me. Would you agree? Mm. Um, you know, I, I think the, uh, the first time I saw the film, um, I kind of like, I think I liked that aspect because again, the, the chemistry and their dialogue, the, the riffing off of each other, uh, worked really well. Um, it didn't, I didn't necessarily make the, oh, he's like a second Ryan Reynolds connection. Um, but the, it, the, the second time through I was watching it, 
Uh, he didn't jump out at me quite as much. Um, I mean, I will say the so much of what I like in dialogue is characters riffing off each other. And I feel like the two did that, like in all of their conversations, they did that quite well. So my, my overall feeling was still pretty positive for him. Um, I don't have much to say. Uh, Gina Carano is Angel Dust. Uh, again, uh, Ajax's, um, Ajax's like sidekick, super strong. Um, she's fine, right? I don't have mm-hmm. much to say about her. She's an imposing presence. She does what she's there to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, so mm-hmm. she certainly doesn't fail and she certainly doesn't shine. She's, she's absolutely adequate. Um, yeah. Uh, Brianna Hildebrandt as Negasonic te- Teenage Warhead. Um, I love this character. I have to say, yeah. Oh, uh, her, she's great. Her, her initial, uh, her initial conversation with Deadpool is so great. Mm-hmm. Is so so great. Um, she's nothing. Oh, like that whole thing about just like so. Yeah. So what are you gonna? So uh, what is it gonna be? Is it going to be like a mean comment or surly silence? Because that's only the only thing teens do. So what is it gonna be? Silence or surly comment? And there's the moment. And then she's like. You kind of got me in a box here. It was that moment to yeah. me was like it's like oh yeah she's a t- she is absolutely that angry sulky teen but she knows it. Yeah, and she and and like I I think it's worth noting that that she is exactly the foil for Deadpool and the fact that she doesn't just keep it up and stay like pissy with him that she's like he's cool at the end like that's mm-hmm. like that feels earned and that feels fun. Yeah. And, and that is, that is like, it's, it's a character again. I don't see this character a lot. I love that she's in this film, um, again, as another version of snark, there's more that like like a different way to do snark and she's there. Well, it's the, there's the, uh, so when I, uh, so I was part of a, a group at the Renaissance fair, the, uh, it was a singing group, the, um, and our whole thing was we. You know, not just besides uh, singing, you know, tavern songs and everything. It's you know, there were there were tons of, you know, stupid jokes and insults dropped all the time. You know, your your general surly surly bunch. And we realized that each of us had a different style of the snark. Uh, one person was really more like the machine gunner of it, where it was just you know, mile a minute, uh, little things drop. You know, uh, just little barbs and insults and jokes thrown every single time. And then a couple of people would be more the snipers, which is they would just sort of stay silent in the background and then step forward and, you know, and let loose one comment that would bring the house down. And Wade is definitely more of a machine gunner when it comes to snark. And Negasonic is definitively a sniper, I think. Um, and then we get to the character that I had no idea was in this film. Um, Stefan <laughs> Kapicic as Colossic is Colossus. Let's talk about Colossus. I love Colossus. What are Let your me say in first? the comics, um, the relationship in Coloss- between Colossus and Kitty Pride is the heart of the X-Men. I've never been a Gene and Scott guy. I've always been a Colossus Kitty guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I love how kind of pure hearted he is. Every time they've tried to take him dark, I've really like, I've really bristled against it. I was like, no, don't do that to Colossus. That's not, I would like, like Colossus is Clark Kent from Russia. I always mm-hmm. want him to be that way. Um, and yeah. they, they, he's perfect in this film, the way that he's animated, the way that he looks, the way that he talks, uh, how naive and goody two shoes he is. Um, he just shines literally and figuratively throughout the film. Um, and is the 
perfect foil to Deadpool, and I had no idea he was going to be in this. Um, it's worth noting, this is an X-Men film, um, and yeah. I love that. I love that he shows up at the mansion. I love that Even it if is the studio still... could only afford two. <laughs> I I I love that the, he uses the Blackbird. I love the way the X-Men are used, and specifically Colossus in this film. I've always had a problem with the way Colossus was used in the X-Men films. I don't know why they had a guy who mm-hmm. wasn't Russian playing Colossus in the X-Men films. Um, mm-hmm. I love Colossus in this film. Um, how do you feel? <laughs> uh, I also, I liked him a lot. Um, you're right in that he is the perfect foil for Deadpool. Uh, and that delves into... Uh, you know, one of the big themes about this, like, you know, I'm going to go back to my normal question. What does it mean to be a superhero? Uh, this film certainly asks that question. It also asks the question, what does it mean to be an anti-hero? Because Deadpool is probably about as perfect an example of a anti-hero as you can get in Marvel. Um, one of the definitions that I found for it online that I really liked is an anti-hero is somebody who will do heroic things for very non-heroic reasons. Uh, Han Solo in the first Star Wars, very much an anti-hero. Um, you know, frequently you can have an anti-hero, you know, who ends up, you know, the smuggler with the heart of gold. Uh, but they are very specifically, they very specifically uh, either avoid or counter uh, traditional heroic personality traits like selflessness or, you know, or language. Um and so in that sense, Colossus, as being, like you say, this perfect goody-two-shoes, is a great foil for that. Um, and I think it's really... I am of two minds about the final scene with Colossus and Deadpool. So Deadpool is standing over Ajax with the gun, and we have the whole... Uh, we have the absolutely traditional uh, scene of one character reaching out to the goodness in the other and saying, don't do this. Here's the thing. The actual dialogue the actual speech in terms of what's written for colossus is wonderful the whole concept of there are four or five moments really that's about it that make you a hero it's not getting up and brushing your teeth in the morning as a hero it's no there are certain crucial moments in time like that speech i could absolutely see delivered in another film in a tremendously actual motivating way what they were going for i feel was the whole Oh look, it's the you know it's the heroic speech and everything, and then Deadpool completely undercuts it by shooting him. Um, that is both you know a a declaration of theme of the movie, and also it's meant to be a uh, a tremendously funny moment. I feel like they overplayed their hand in this moment. Um, Colossus's his way of delivering the lines was a little bit too I'm playing the stereotype and not Oh yes, yeah, so the music swells. I mean, there's there's yeah, no oh, and the, the music was terrible for it because the mu- it was so obvious the uh you know, my whole thing in comedy is the worst way to tell a joke and the surest way to kill a joke is to make the audience know that you're telling one. It's like imagining that you're leaning into them with the, you're nudging them with your elbow going, "Uh, uh, uh." And that moment was absolutely that. Now, if you had uh, different soundtrack, maybe even silence, and Colossus, like, actually, like, if you actually pulled a moment from another hero movie and had the two characters just sitting there and talking seriously and sincerely, and then Deadpool shooting Ajax, uh, and then being like, I'm sorry, dude, you were droning on. Um, it, uh, I think it would have had, it would have been a very different uh, result uh, because the instant that the Colossus started talking this time around, I was like, oh, what? I know exactly what's going to be happening here. 
So there are uh, two other characters uh, that we have talked to. First of all, uh, Leslie Uggams as uh, Blind Al. Now, oh. um, I would I want to take some time to talk about Leslie Uggams because I uh, I did uh, a tiny little bit of research on her. Um, this woman's astounding. Um, uh, this woman uh, appeared in her own television variety show, The Leslie Uggams Show, in 1969. And this was the first network variety show to be hosted by an African-American since the Nat King, Co- Nat King Cole show of the 1950s. Uh, she is a lead mm-hmm. role in Roots. Uh, she was nominated for an wow. Emmy at Backstairs of the White House. Uh, she was, uh, she has been on a, like, she is a, a, a person like, at, like, uh, like as herself is, is a personality. She is a, like, eight albums she's been on stage uh she's been uh she's been on broadway she has been um in tv movies uh she was uh she was on empire sugar hill um skyjack i mean this woman has been uh in everything she is mm-hmm. it's astounding um it's astounding uh this this woman's yeah. uh, uh and it was interesting the that, that they went with her too because be, the uh because uh, Blind Al in the comics is is white. Um, clearly, Blind Al is meant to be sort of a foil to Aunt May, uh, to the extent that even there's one time where Deadpool and she travel back in time and she has to impersonate Aunt May. Uh, so um, I'm wondering whether the decision was to uh, was to change the race of the character, whether they made that before or after Leslie Uggams came into the picture. But I agree with you. She's phenomenal in this and quite yeah. an astounding career. Yeah, no, she's she's astounding um, and really funny. Um, I think that I'm, you know, if the relationship with the comics is as you described, I'm glad they made it more like this because it's. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, because I think I, I, I they, they approach the line for me um, of mm-hmm. of how far they take it because I feel for her. Um, so they, they approach it, but don't cross, cross it. The other character, of course, that you, uh, that you have to, uh, talk about is Karen, uh, is Karen Sony as, uh, Dopinder. Uh, Dopinder is amazing. Uh, Dopinder is such an interesting and lovely character. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched Phineas and Ferb, um, Mm -hmm. but he's, uh, he's Baljeet, uh, grown up. Um, he is, yeah, he is just he is just the 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 most charming uh character um mm-hmm. uh, and i think that it would be easy to wonder uh if he was too much of a stereotype right i think it would be easy to wonder if you know like you have the uh apu um controversy going on right now in the simpsons where finally mm-hmm. like like indian americans are, have have said hey you know what apu is kind of problematic cuz you know mm-hmm. Because you know you watch it, and you go yikes a little bit. And Apu's uh, um, the why can't I remember the guy's name who did Apu? Um, this guy I love who's been in everything. Um, Hank Azaria. Thank you very much. Um, uh, Hank Azaria has come out and said, "Hey, you know what? I, even I've got a problem with it. And if like I'm I'm willing to retire or change the character in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be very easy to go. This is you know the 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 meek cab driving Indian is a stereotype." Um, mm-hmm. in a film that is willing to be off color just a little bit, I think that he fits in perfectly. It'd be an 
easy. It's so easy to get this character wrong. It would be so easy yeah. on other hands for this character to just be too far one way or the other. The way that he does in this is, you know, I would love to talk to an Indian American to see what they think about the character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am, um, I love this guy. Your thoughts. Well, I think the, uh, one of the ways certainly I feel like they avoid the stereotype is they, um, first, uh, there are, there are a couple different ways to avoid a stereotype. Um, when you're dealing with a, with a character, uh, one of them is to one of those ways is to specifically make sure that they are not, that they don't do anything that's associated with that stereotype. So, uh, case in point, um, Apu, one of the things that makes him stereotypical is that he works for a, uh, he works for a gas station or for a, you know, yeah, but I think the cab driver stereotype Um, is a stereotype. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, and that's what I said, and that's what I mean. That is so. That's not the tack that they took with this, uh, because you're right. A cab dri- Indian cab driver is absolutely a stereotype. But the other, another major way that you can take a character and sort of s- fight the stereotypeness is you just you give them depth. You give them something. The the worst kind of stereotype is not just when somebody is Indian cab driver, tri- Indian cab driver, but when that is literally all they are. Dopinder is a man who is conflicted and clearly you can see behind it a whole lifetime of you know being the meek mild-mannered guy he is deeply in love with this woman but he has this cousin who always gets everything and dopinder becomes a i mean really the moment i feel that this thing completely shatters and subverts the stereotype is when you realize that his cousin is in the trunk uh, because suddenly Dopinder becomes a character who surprises you and has agency and has his own very tiny little mini arc in it. Agreed. Um, now, that being said, all of that is besides the point that, yeah, he's an Indian cab driver. Uh, but I do feel like those are some ways that if they do not completely eliminate the stereotype, at least they, um, at least they, uh, they make it better, if that makes sense. So, uh, so as we wrap up, uh, Deadpool again, we could go point by point through the plot. It's really, you know, the plot is perfunctory. The plot is exists mm-hmm. as a as a framework Don't to show us these the characters, plot. to have us enjoy their interactions, and to and to really be a vehicle for Ryan Reynolds to go. Hey, it's like a Jim Carrey movie, right? Who cares about the plot of Ace Ventura: Pet Detective? If you you want to mm-hmm. see Jim Carrey do Jim Carrey, if you want to see Ryan Reynolds do kind of the best version of what Ryan Reynolds does, and then throw in mm-hmm. like some some over the top, deliberately over the top hand to hand combat. Um, mm-hmm. in a in a familiar in an X Men story where they subvert what the X Men are, um, I I think that that this is what the movie's about. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that that it's more about that than the actual machinations of the plot. Again, concerns about next week. Uh, in that there seems to be a lot of plot. Um, and that would be an easy way to 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 bog down this film, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of this being said, uh, we know what they've been trying to do. So my question to you is, uh, is on a scale of one to five numbered bullets, um, do they wait? Oh, wait, no, no, goal? I have to, I have to, I have to stop. We, we have to do it on one to five chimichangas. One to five chimichangas. Okay. Yes. One, on to, a scale five of one to five chimichangas. Yeah, do they achieve their goal? Um, first, yes, yes, they do. Um, I am continuously going back and forth. Between I want to give whether I want to give this movie a four or a four point five, um, it is. I mean, it 
easily, easily achieves a four based on just its technical uh, technical achievement alone. And I don't mean like that in terms of special effects, but in terms of the dialogue is great. The characters are great. Um, the uh, In terms of the stickiness of the film, of how long it stays with you after, uh, that I don't know. Um, but it was also kind of gra- groundbreaking um, in that it... It was not the first R-rated superhero film, but there was there's a definitive newness to this. Um, you want you know we watched this film and thought, oh, this is a superhero film that we have not seen before. Um, and uh, so you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna be so I'm gonna split the difference. I'm gonna go four point twenty five on this. Um, this was All the right. best film um, that Ryan Reynolds has done since Van Wilder. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna give this a, a four. Um, it's you know there's. Nothing wrong with it. Um, it's it's really good. It's really fun. Um, I enjoyed watching it again. Um, probably the second time I've watched it since I've seen it in theaters. And I enjoyed watching mm-hmm. it. I sat down. I watched it. I had a good time with it. I was never yeah. bored. I laughed. Um, it's interesting as a side note uh, how sexy uh, Deadpool is to uh, my wife um, and a lot of women. <laughs> Uh, think not just Ryan Reynolds, but Deadpool, the character, mm-hmm. is sexy. Maybe it's the sex positive stuff within the film. Maybe it's the self confidence. Maybe it's because you know it's Ryan Reynolds there under the makeup. I don't know what it is, but Deadpool well, you get, well, is you get a, a combination of. I mean, you've just done, well, you've just hit on some of the you know some of the big three categories. You've got sex positive, uh, incredibly self confident, and funny as hell. I mean, yeah. those are three things that you know that that are attractive to anyone. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Um, the reason it doesn't get a, a, a four point five or a five for me is that you know we we called Avengers Infinity War a five. I would back that down to a four point five now. The Avengers is a five. You know things that stick with you and you think about um, Logan, mm-hmm. uh, which is maybe not as fun to watch, and I might not watch as much. I will say this: I have not thought about Deadpool until I saw yeah. it. now I see the posters for the new Deadpool and I'm like yes this is going to be so much fun but I thought about Kickass more than I thought about this I thought about the Crow and the Avengers mm. and Spider-Man and and like the, I can name 10 films that have I've continued to think about that kind of will pop into my mind uh more than this one will um this one mm-hmm. is there's a disposable nature to this film that makes it not able to climb up to the 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 heights um that being said I, I i i recognize it for what it is there is no logan without this film there are things they're going to be able to do now because this film did it and this film is 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 a necessary component of the current superhero landscape and i recognize all of that but um but it's got the stickiness factor it's got to be there for me um Mm-hmm. in order for it to to really get a 4.5 or a 5. So I'm giving, again, a film that accomplishes fully everything it's trying to do, and I have no problem with what it's trying to do. Um, but it's mm-hmm. not, uh, there's just not enough there there, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Hey, before we're done today, I'm looking for, um, yeah. Uh, because this is the point where we normally give our, our sign-off, but we have a, uh, we, we have some feedback that, uh, that our good man, Arthur, uh, would like to go through here um, from uh, the podcast. People are finally coming back and uh, letting us know their thoughts. If you're listening right yeah, now, I want you to do the same. Please, we're on Facebook. I'm Ninja Director on Twitter. There's a there's Totally Super Twitter account. Uh, Facebook's the best way. You can go on Facebook and, and, and like us. If you're listening to the podcast, hit subscribe. Don't just, just, just listen to this one. We got lots more that we've done and lots more coming up. So all that being said, uh, uh, what do you have from the mailbag? What what I've got, I'm going to pull one from the mailbag because uh, what's cool about these is uh, 
I mean, the, the feedback that we've been getting from some people is not like, oh, hey, good review, liked it. But they'll actually give their thoughts, too, which then provoke more thoughts on my part, which is the best kind of feedback. So thank you, guys. Um, so I'm going to pull one from the mailbag. And this one is from Eric. Uh, and he was talking specifically about our review of um, Age of Ultron. Um, and talking about, because we went a lot into whether Black Widow was damseled in Age of Ultron. Um, and Eric made the point that uh, Scarlett Johansson was pregnant for most of the filming of this film, uh, which would certainly explain why her character did not do as much. Uh, and that sort of raises, I think, a, a larger question of, okay, how? what are good ways and bad ways that a movie can roll with, uh, you know, outside meta issues. Um, for instance, Jaws, the shark would not work. The robot shark would not work, which meant that they had to use barrels to indicate when the shark was there. And that actually made the film what, that's the reason why the film is as terrifying as it was. Sure, we uh, talked Indiana about that Jones in the and, Crow review where, where yes. you know, in the absence of Brandon Lee, they came up with artistic choices, which makes the film more haunting. Mm-hmm. So, so the question then that I have to, to jump off of uh, Eric's comment is, um, does the fact that Scarlett Johansson, that she was pregnant uh, during the filming and wasn't as available, um, does that fully excuse uh, some of the issues that we had with the character? Or do you feel like there were, like if you were, a, as a director, um, if you were put in that situation, what are certain ways that you would maybe handle that for a character? Um, well, I, I want to say, like, in, in, if you were if you were handed Age of Ultron and and with that situation, I want to say one that I don't think that she needs to be excused all that much. I think that it's she raises concerns, um, but I don't think that she is devastating um, the way that maybe some people uh, other people do. I think that that there are concerns mm-hmm. that are raised, there are things we could wish were different, but I think that you know I don't think that she is as disastrous as as maybe other people thought. But if I were one of those people if I had to defend a decision to those people for those reasons. I think that you still have the focus on her fertility as being super important. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You still have the fact that they didn't give her much to do except be in a cage. Um, Whereas she has other skills. She has spy skills. She could, she didn't just have to go there and do the black widow infiltrating thing. She has like, she doesn't do that kind of fighting that much within uh, Captain America, the winter soldier. Um, Mm. There's a, you know what I mean? She does a lot of spy and intelligence stuff that she could be uh, doing in this film. I think that, you know, it's worth noting that Wonder Woman, uh, that uh, the actress who plays Wonder Woman was uh, was pregnant during the last half of uh, the shooting of that film, uh, during the reshoots. So they uh, they cut a hole in her costume and put green on her tummy and, uh, and CGI'd <laughs> her back to being non-pregnant. Um... Uh, I think that there are numerous Gosh, what technology uh, has gotten to. It's amazing. Um, I, and, and I think that, you know, and it would have, it would have been even easier with black widow because black widow wears, you know, skin type fabric. They know how to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that uh, you could have done a lot with the stunt double. They've been cutting around pregnant women for a long time. Um, uh, there are a lot of choices that could have been made that wouldn't have involved her getting captured, put in a, in a cell, and having to stay there for a while. Um, I mm-hmm. think that still the the capture of Black Widow 
while that might that may have been the way they chose to deal deal with it, I think that she still could have give, been given more agency than she was given. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that makes only, perfect sense. If only for her to do the same thing. Like, there's a script answer to that where she gets crucial information, really crucial information from Ultron because she tricks him the way that she tricks Loki. Like the very first thing oh, we've ever see her do yeah. is get captured, get tortured, and then you find out no, she's been running this interrogation the entire time oh, that's she's a good been point. in charge. That is that like that is her MO is tricking people, is playing the uh is playing the weak willed woman in order to get information. Yeah. And so she could have done that in an impressive way. And Joss Whedon's a skilled enough like writer that that could have been the choice made. So I mm-hmm. don't think that the fact that she was pregnant does much for me in terms of changing my opinion. I don't think it's disastrous, but my opinion is is almost unchanged uh, by that mm-hmm. knowledge. Oh, makes good sense. Well, Eric, thank you very much for writing in on it. Um, and yeah, and again, let me throw out my own encouragement for other people to comment. Um, please, if you liked something, let us know. If you think we are total idiots and off the mark, actually, those are my favorite ones. Please write <laughs> in for that because that furthers the conversation. Uh, like I said, the beauty of... The beauty of loving geek stuff is that one person can absolutely love a subject and somebody else can absolutely hate it, and both of them are right. I agree. I think that uh, that the interaction that we get to have with you guys is going to be really crucial uh, to the success of the show. Also, by the way, if you're listening um, and you haven't left us a review on iTunes, uh, please do. Uh, five stars is great. Um, four stars is fine. One star if you must. Um, but whatever it is that you if feel, we, uh, we, we really we value honesty above all things. We just no. I want five stars. No, 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 no. I, I value yeah. five star reviews above all things. But I'll accept. <laughs> <laughs> let's be let's, let's be clear here i want people listening okay yeah. uh uh for this week my name is justin stay tuned next week for uh and, for deadpool 2 but my name is justin and i'm arthur and hey there true believers stay super now that you've finished the show be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the totally super podcast also if you like this you should head over to geeksradio.com or search geeks radio wherever you listen to podcasts there you can find trek off the not safe for work star trek podcast with justin and alexia so search for trek off search for pop off search for geeks radio and just thanks for joining us this has been a presentation of Enlight entertainment